Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get ready to read a little bit of scripture with me. So I want you to go to Exodus chapter 2. Again, happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for making New Grace the place to be on Mother's Day. One more time, let's give all of our moms an amen and a hand clap of praise. While you're going to Exodus chapter 2, I'm going to read one verse that's rather familiar to you out of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. The Apostle Paul said, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, here's what I want you to do. Exodus chapter 2, we're going to read a little bit more scripture than we usually do, but it's a story, so I want you to really get glued to the storyline here. I don't want you to miss what God's got for you today. I'm about to help you, all right? I'm I'm about to help you. You got to tune in. Get ready. Tune in. I'm about to help you today. Exodus 2, verse number 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. You got a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi, several hundred thousand people. These two people fell in love. They got married. The woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Now, what you got to understand right now, the Pharaoh of Egypt has been inspired by demonic entities to kill the firstborn of every Hebrew household. They're growing in number. He's concerned about the unbalance that's happening in the kingdom of Egypt. And so these Jewish people that have now been forgotten under the lineage of Joseph have been taken slaves, and he wants to kill every firstborn in the house. So this woman takes her child and hides him for three months. Now, that's hard to do. That's hard to keep a baby hid like you don't have a child living in your house, especially for three months. Verse 3 says, when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister, his older sister, stood afar off to to wit or to witness what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, remember, his older sister was sitting nearby, watching and witnessing what was about to happen to her baby brother. And the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women? that she may nurse the child for thee? Do do you want me to do something to help you? Is there something I can do? Can I go fetch one of the Hebrew women? 
to help nurse this child. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me. Check this out. And I will give thee thy wages. I'm going to pay you to raise your baby. Has no idea the maternal connection here. Says, I'll pay you your wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. I want to preach on this thought today. God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Look at your neighbor and tell him God always has a plan. Come on, look at the person next to you. Tell him right now, God always has a plan. I know, I know what you're thinking. New Grace, I know what you're thinking right now. It's Mother's Day. Exodus chapter 2 tells us about Jochebed, that's her name, Jochebed, the mother of Moses and how she has given birth to Moses. And you think, I'm about to preach a sermon about this mother who brought Moses into the world. You know, a lot of times you and I look at a story like this and we think that it's about a particular character. I want to say something to you. This story in Exodus chapter 2 is just a small dot on the timeline of a much greater story that's taking place. This passage is not actually about Moses. This passage is not about Jochebed. This passage is actually about God. Can I say this very quickly by way of introduction? The Bible isn't about people. The Bible just includes people. The Bible is about God. Everything in the Bible reveals the greater side and the grand side of God's plan. Think about this for a moment. People's lives and their stories are just the canvas where God expresses himself with divine artistic ability. Your life and my life is no different. There's not one passage, there's not one paragraph in this Bible where the story or the setting or the narrative is all about us. There may be parts that are written for us, and there may be actually dispensational truths that are written to us, but let me remind you that this Bible is not about you. May I remind you that this life is not about you. This world is not about you. I don't know if you're hearing me. Maybe I need to speak up and say it where everybody understands it, but it ain't about you. We are nothing but a speck. I like what the psalmist says. What is man that thou art mindful of him? You are the potter and we are but the clay to think that the God of heaven and earth knows each of his sheep by name. To think that he not only knows our name, but he knows our every need. I like what Jesus said, the very hairs on your head, don't you dare laugh, the very hairs on your head are numbered. God has you all figured out. Isn't it wonderful? The sum of his thoughts, language cannot express. No lyrics of any song could contain the idea that God is mindful of little old me. I am but a speck of dirt. I am but miry clay, mud that the potter found along the way, but he scooped me up 
out of the sludge and the slime. He started bringing substance and content to my life as he fashioned me and he molded me and he shaped me. I'm reminded of what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined unto me and he heard my cry. He lifted me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings and he put a new song. I said he put a new song. I said he put a new song. I ain't talking about achy, breaky heart or whiskey bent and hell bound. I'm talking about a new song. I'm talking about he knows my name. I'm talking about amazing grace. I'm talking about I surrender all. I'm talking about no longer slaves. I'm talking about a God who brought about marvelous change in our lives and it was great in his sight. I wonder if I could get somebody on a Sunday morning that would clear off a spot and help the rev take a praise break. If you know that God has always been working all things together for his good and his glory. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord and let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Ah, y'all don't do that. I'm going to preach all day. If you don't do, if you do that, I'm going to preach all day. I've been preaching like that two nights in a row this week in tent revival. I still got sawdust in my britches, baby. I'm I'm ready to go. See, I love this story because like many other stories, this one in particular points to a special attribute of who God is. And it points to an attribute that makes God God. It points to something so special. It is an attribute that makes God the God that he is. It highlights God's sovereignty. God's sovereign nature. Let me me try to break this down for you for a second. Imagine an artist painting a picture, but this artist is able to use the divine element of sovereignty, meaning everything that happens on the canvas, every color, every brush, every stroke, the temperature of the room, the amount of water, the canvas surface size, and even the time it takes for the painting to dry. Imagine everything being divinely connected as part of a plan with sovereignty, Everything that was incorporated into making this masterpiece come to pass. Here we we go. Here's sovereignty. The artist already saw every detail in their mind before they ever began. And throughout the entire work, the artist always had a plan. So everything that looked like it may have been a mistake... Are you suggesting that our sovereign artist can make a mistake? Absolutely not. But may I say the colors, the equipment, the canvas that he's working with is full of mistakes. Yet our artist in his sovereignty knew it would be flawed and he still wanted to paint it. You ain't hearing me. Ain't ever been one thing happened in your life that surprised God. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Nothing has ever taken God by surprise. Ain't nothing about you that has shocked Him. Everything about your life 
right now. He saw it the moment you were born, and he saw it the moment you were born again. He saw every failure. He saw every mistake. He saw every sin, and yet he still wanted to be involved in bringing the masterpiece of your life to pass. I wrote this down. Our God is a sovereign God. Probably one of the most simplistic ways to explain the sovereignty of God. Uh, John Piper did a very good job of summarizing the sovereignty of God. He said that the sovereignty of God was the power, authority, and plan that God cannot and will not be stopped. That his will, whatever it is, will always be done. And I want to submit to you this morning that our sovereign God always has a sovereign plan. That plan reveals and reflects his sovereignty in so many ways. In order to do so, it includes you and it includes me. Now, he didn't have to, but he did. And he has worked us into the masterpiece that he is painting, and that, my friend, is called God's plan. Can I submit to you by way of transition that every man and woman in this room that calls Jesus Lord can trust the sovereign plan of God for their life? Yes, you can trust it more than the stock market. You can trust it more than our government. You can trust it more than your own instinct. You can trust it more than the word of any kind of religious official. You can trust in the sovereign plan of God. Can I show you quickly, quickly, a couple of works that reveals God's sovereignty in the very story that I introduced to you in Exodus chapter 2. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, There went a man of the house of Levi, and he took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived... And bear a son. This verse in and of itself doesn't reveal anything supernatural about the sovereignty of God. But when you begin to see the full scope of the passage in the context, you realize that it is the initial part of what God is implementing in a divine manner. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to see God's purpose at work here in verse number one. God's purpose led Jochebed to have Moses. I want you to watch this now. It was God's purpose that led Jochebed to have Moses. God began to bring about his purpose, not just for Jochebed, not just for Amram, not just for Moses, not just for Pharaoh, but for the entire nation of Egypt and Israel, something that would be archived and etched in the canon of biblical history for all to see forever. And it all began with the birth of a baby boy. I wrote this down. It did not look like a very good time to have a child. But you need to understand that you should never expect God to wait on the ideal time to manifest his purpose. Look over your shoulder. Have you ever seen when God looked for the ideal time to do something in your life? God doesn't check the calendar. God is not monitored or maneuvered by the weather. God is not manipulated by circumstances or scenarios. I'm about to do my own shouting right up here thinking about the sovereign power of God at work in his purpose. When God wants to bring something into the world, there is nothing in heaven and nothing on earth and nothing in hell that can thwart or stop the powerful purpose of God's plan. 
The Bible says that this baby was born of the tribe of Levi, which would tell us, pointing to later the actual truth of the tribe of Levi, they would be set apart, set aside in service to the great God Jehovah. Moses was born. And in the grand purpose of, I'm about to help you watch this now, in the grand purpose of Moses being born, it told us that this child was made for something and meant for something. He was born, but he was put on a track that didn't make sense to his family or the world. He was meant and made to meet God and find purpose. Do you know that all the days of Moses' life, when he was up, down, good, bad, right, wrong, spiritual, unspiritual, seeking God, running from God, Moses was always pulled by purpose. There would never be a time in his life when he would leave the gravitational pull of God's purpose on his life. Can I say this very, very quickly? If you're in this room and you think you can outrun the purpose of God, you're going to spend the rest of your life with your legs being tired. I want, I want you to know something. Just like Moses was born, you were born. I can do better than that. You were born and born again. See, when you were born, there was purpose inscribed over your life. God had a reason he put you here. Your existence is not meaningless. It serves a greater purpose. Uh, I want to remind you there is more to life than nine to five. There is more to life than earning five or six figures. There is more to life than checking all the boxes it takes to keep up with the Jones or manifest some kind of persona and image on Instagram and live with the highlight reel so you got everybody thinking you got it all figured out. I want to tell you something. There is more to life than that because there is a great divine sovereign God who looked ahead in time down on this planet, saw the little microscopic organism that is you and he had a purpose. That's why you were born once and you are born twice so that it might come to pass. Your second birth was God initiating the process of his purpose happening in your life. I wrote this down. When God wants to accomplish his purpose, he sends a baby into the world. Human history is littered. I don't have time to go through it, but human history is littered with men and women who were born in greatness during grave times because when there's a battle to fight, God sends a baby into the world. When there's a blessing to be made known, God sends a baby into the world. I want you to think about this. God sent you into the world. God sent you into the world. You are here and you are alive and you put your faith in Jesus Christ as part of the redemptive plan of God over your life and over the world so that you may live in the purpose that God has always had written over your head. You have purpose. And this purpose is revealed because we see that she had him. And she had him at a time when it did not make sense. Sometimes I tell myself I was born in the wrong decade. My preaching style. My preaching style would be so much better suited for the 1980s or 90s. I go back and I watch videos of Rod Parsley and T.D. Jakes and Jimmy Swaggart and Billy Graham. And I watch and I'm like, man, I was born in the wrong decade. I'd have been so much better suited 
for the 80s or 90s in evangelism and pastoring. And God has to remind me, no, you were born in 1982 because I needed you to be the man of God that I meant for you to be in 2023, leading a church, taking charge, rattling and shaking the gates of hell, standing ground in the gospel of Jesus Christ, shining the light of his truth in a world of darkness. It's okay if you're a little old school, Derek. It's okay if your roots run back a few decades because what the world needs right now is authentic boldness and anointing from on high. It ain't about how you do it. It's who you do it for. I have to remind myself that God, God sent purpose into the world by sending a Moses. God sent purpose into the world by sending a Jesus. God sent purpose into the world by sending a you and sending a me. When you look back over your life, do you see God's purpose? Are you pulled still to this day? Some of you are reaching and, and, and fumbling around. You're you saved, but you're lost. You're saved, you're going to heaven, you are forgiven, you are a Christian. You have a relationship with God, but you're lost because you are trying to find purpose, looking to the left or right instead of looking straight up, recognizing that you are here on purpose, with a purpose, and you will never satisfy or have that purpose as long as you are longing with a horizontal solution. If you believe that, somebody help me give him praise in this house. Not only do we see God's purpose at work in that Jochebed was led to have Moses, but verse number three says when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and she daubed it with slime and with pitch and she put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Secondly, if you're taking notes, write this down. We also see God's protection at work. And in the plan of God, God's protection led Jochebed to hide Moses. The Bible says that Moses was placed in a little boat, an ark, set in the river. And by the way, she did not disobey the command of Pharaoh. Because all the firstborn was supposed to be cast into the Nile River. She didn't disobey the magistrate mandate. She put him in the river. She just used a little bit of creative God wisdom. I, I, like, I like this. I like this. Apparently, Jacobed knew her history. And she thought, if an ark worked for Noah, <laughs> if an ark worked, you know what's funny? I had a friend in high school. He wasn't real spiritual. But I remember one time he was making fun of a basketball player on the opposing team, and the guy's name was Moses. We we're all ratting all right. Hey, 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 how was the Red Sea, Moses? Hey, hey, Moses, how was the manna? Hey, Moses, how's the bread? We were just making some of the obviously some of the people went to church, knew some scriptures, knew more than I did. They were roasting this Moses with bi biblical insight. And my friend Marcus, my God, he was about as bright as a dark closet. He said, he said, Hey Moses, how's your ark? And we all gave him trouble. 
you idiot, it was Noah. I mean, I wasn't even saved. I knew that. It was Noah that was on the ark. I was reading this years later. I said, oh, my God. Marcus was right. (laughs) Moses was in the ark, too. (laughs) Apparently, this girl knew her history. And she built a miniature version of the ark. She even used, check this out, she even used the same kind of equipment, the same kind of ingredients. She used pitch. I don't have time for this, but in the Hebrew, pitch is the word for atonement. Oh my God, if you knew where I could go with that, you'd jump up and shout right now. But, but she, she, she sealed this ark like Noah sealed his ark with pitch. In other words, if it was in the water, there was no way that the water would get in it. Let me keep going, let me keep going, let me keep going. I wrote this down, I wrote this down. Think about it now. She placed this boat with her baby in the Nile River. Like there is so much that could go wrong. Like if the wind and waves were just right, the ark could tip over. The baby would drown. If the ark was to leak and the water was to get into the ark, the baby would drown. Not to mention, this is the Nile River. We're talking about seven, several thousand years ago. I don't know if you are aware of this or not, but there are animals in the Nile River today that were in the Nile River during this time. Like the saltwater crocodile, 20 foot in length. And, 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 and it, th- th- he could have been a boxed lunch for such a creature. Birds of prey that could have easily devoured this little newborn baby sitting in this boat. Not to mention, let's say he survives the wind and the waves. Let's say he survives the threat of water, the threat of wildlife, and he goes on down the river safely at rest in the ark. What about his food? What about water itself for hydration? I mean, he could have died of starvation. He could have died of dehydration. Yet the Bible tells us what God protected, God preserved. See, God had a plan that was so sovereign. The purpose led her to have him, but his protection led her to hide him. You may not be aware of this, and you may not know about it until you get to heaven, But I dare to say there have been all kind of places in your life where God was protecting you and you didn't even know it. Where God was shielding you from the elements of what this world could have done to you. You say, Pastor Derek, there's been some things that happened to me. Yeah, but you don't know what could have happened to you. You don't know how it could have turned out or how you could have turned out. And here you are today on Mother's Day in 2023, saved and in your right mind, sitting in the house of God and meditating on the goodness of the Lord in your life. I think we ought to take a praise break right now and celebrate the goodness of our God over the fact even when I didn't know it, when I didn't see it, when I didn't sense it, there was a God that was protecting me. He was shielding me. He was watching over me. He had me in his hand. I like what Jesus said in John chapter 10. He said, my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man 
No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am thankful for the ark of my salvation, the ark of God's protection. Do I have anybody that'll help me one more time? Give God a Holy Ghost praise. Glory, glory, glory. Three arcs in the Bible, and all three pointed to the covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. Noah's ark pointed to Jesus. Moses' ark pointed to Jesus. And the ark of the covenant pointed to Jesus. Can I tell you that in Christ, nothing could ever separate you from the love of God that you have in Christ Jesus. An angel couldn't do it. A demon couldn't do it. Circumstances couldn't do it. Divorce couldn't do it. Abortion couldn't do it. Sin couldn't do it. Death couldn't do it. Life couldn't do it. Height couldn't do it. Death couldn't do it. Not in this world or the world to come. You are forever protected and preserved in the person of Jesus. Somebody better shout amen or I'm going to take off running and I might not come back. Bless God, I need to, I need to go tent and more often. Let me close this out. Come on, Pastor Jackson. See, when you think about God's sovereignty and his plan, you see his purpose at work. In the story, it's what led Jochebed to have him. But then you see his protection. It's what led Jochebed to hide him. Check this out. I want you to read this with me. I don't want to lose you right here. Don't, don't dial out because I'm reading Bible. You've got to see the full scope here. Verse 4 says, when his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she had, you know what? I don't think the baby cried until right then. Because if he would have cried, he'd have been like Uber Eats on that river for every Nile crocodile. Ding, ding, dinner is served. No, no, he cried the moment she lifted the lid on that little box. And she said, oh my God, this is one of the Hebrews' children. This baby's supposed to be dead. This is not supposed to be happening right now. And this is Pharaoh's daughter. Like her daddy is the one that gave the instruction for all the firstborn of the Hebrews to be killed. And she's the one that opens the box. Ain't it funny <laughs> that God ensured that daddy's girl would be the one that would discover baby Moses. Like if anybody had old King Pharaoh wrapped, it was this girl right here. Can we keep it? Come on, y'all have heard that one before. Can we keep it? Now hopefully that hadn't been the case with a living human being. But some of y'all got cats and dogs and snakes and hamsters and fish and all kind of critters at your house because somebody looked at you with puppy dog eyes and said, can we keep it? Bible says that the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, do you want me to go get a nurse? You want me to go get a nurse, one of the Hebrew women? Because I got somebody I know that'll take this kid and raise it for you. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, look, take the child away. 
nurse it for me, I'll pay you. Now, you wean a child in that culture, you wean a child until the age of three to five. She, the child was three months old. She would get between three and five years personally with this kid as the nanny and nurse. Take it away and nurse it for me and I'll pay you for it. And she took the child and nursed it. So you see God's purpose, led her to have him. You see God's protection, led her to hide him. Watch this now. In God's plan, you see God's providence at work. And this is what led Jochebed to hold Moses. God's providence. His divine oversight and orchestration. Letting all the dots connect like they're supposed to. In this passage, I, I, I'm ending right here. In this passage, it's really cool. You see God's providential timing. Think about it. What are the chances that Jochebed would build this ark, put him in the ark, set him by the flags of the Nile River, leave about the time she set him down? I don't know how far the walk was from the palace to the river, but I imagine while she was setting him down, Pharaoh's daughter was on her way down from the palace. Now, Pharaoh's daughter was freaking loaded. So she didn't have to bathe outside. Like she had one of them walk-in showers. Jet shooting all over the place. Body scrub, back scratching washer. And here she goes down. Yeah, Pastor Jeff, she had a bidet on her toilet. <laughs> yeah, man. Hat man. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah, man. She didn't have. She didn't have to go down to the river. Now here's an even here's an even crazier thought. Egyptians also practiced certain degrees of ceremonial cleansing just like the Hebrews did. So that if they, if they were declared unclean because they were in need of personal ceremonial purification, I'm trying to be somewhat abstract here. Like, every so often, say... Once a month, they would follow certain purification rituals where they would not bathe in the house. Ceremonially, they would go outside of the house. What is the chances of God's timing that she went down to the river, maybe it was that time, and it was the exact point in time where Jochebed had just laid him in the riverbed Walk this way. She comes down from the palace this way. What are the chances that her heart would melt with compassion at the sight and the sound of this little baby? She had no idea that she was opening up a box of a baby that would later take the Israelites right out from under her daddy's rule and reign. 
Yet her heart was moved with compassion. You know, let me tell you something. God is so providential that he will melt an enemy's heart to get his will accomplished in your... God can even use... A, God can even use something in the devil's hand to play a role in the plan. Her heart melts in providential placement. They meet at the exact same place. And here's, here's what's crazy to me. Talk about providential chance. Verse 8 tells her to go and find a Hebrew woman. And she goes and finds the very mother. Now tell me if this isn't providential right here. You talk about God's grace. See, I love God's mercy. I love God's mercy. Mercy is God getting what you don't deserve. It is, it is hey, you, 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 this is what's supposed to happen to you, and we're not going to make it happen. We're not going to let it happen. But grace is going beyond mercy and starting to give you stuff that you were never supposed to have. Oh, you ain't hearing me. God's providential grace didn't just allow her to take the child in, but God's providential grace let her earn money for raising her own child. God, in his providence, let her hold something she was never even supposed to have. And here's what I love. Go to verse 10. I'm, I'm done. Look at verse 10. The child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. Check this out. The delivered became a deliverer. The delivered became a deliverer. The rescued became a rescuer. See, this, this is God revealing a powerful element of his sovereignty in the grand plan of redeeming the human race. God lets the delivered play a role in delivering people. Do you know why I preach the gospel and minister like I do to deliver people? Because I myself have been delivered. I have been rescued from the waters of peril and punishment. And it is my objective to, since I've been delivered, I want to help deliver. What about you? Do you play that kind of role? Do you see God's providence at work that the delivering power of God in your life was supposed to be part of the plan for you to now play a role in helping deliver others? What I love most about this story is God is so sovereign in his plan, he has the ability to bring it all the way back around. Man, I look across this room and there are so many testimonies and stories where God has brought something back around. I'm looking at people in this room that let go of something and turned loose of it and released it and trusted God blindly, trusted God while afraid, trusted God while trying to believe in the midst of doubt, trusted God and let something go only to see that thing float right back into your arms and now you get to hold the very thing you thought you would never have. Some of our marriages have been rescued from the water. Some of our ministries have been rescued from the water. You know, there's something really cool. I thought about this while I was writing the sermon. 
There's two young ladies here this morning, right now, they're here in this room. And Pastor Jeff and I both preached. We both got saved around the same time. Talk about God's providence, man. How about this now? We both got saved around the same time. We both started preaching around the same time. We probably both started losing our hair around the same time. We both went through a storyline and a narrative of chaos, struggle, failure, all the while trying to serve the Lord and honor Him with our life. And, and, and at one time, we both quit the ministry. Around the same time, similar circumstances, we quit the ministry. Here's something cool. When I was in my early 20s, you were in your early 20s, God allowed us to minister to a lot of people. And we planted seed in those people, and it grew, and it began to blossom. And we didn't even know it. When we got out of ministry, God continued to work in those people's lives. And there's two ladies here today. One, I got to pastor when she was 12 years old, a teenager. Where's Brittany at? Where's Brittany? Brittany, back there in the back. I remember Brittany got saved as a, as a, little, <laughs> a little kid. I still see that 12-year-old girl that got saved when I was in my early 20s in Athens, about the same time you got saved, Hank. And I watched God do great things in her life. I ended up quitting ministry. And, and Ashley and I were not connected to Brittany in any shape, form, or fashion for a long time. Just life happens. Things happen. The flow of the river happens. And things move on and things go on. When you were in your 20s, Kristen just started. Where's Kristen at? Kristen started coming just a few weeks ago. This is Kristen's third time, fourth time. Are y'all glad Kristen's here? This is her fourth time. Just been coming every week. God used Pastor Jeff to minister to Kristen when she was a kid. Man, man, that tells you how old we are. You talk about God's providence, man. And, and look, we both got the beard and the bald head. One of us had to be the fat slouch, and one of us had to look good, you know. Got to get this thing balanced. Don't want to get people too curious. Here, here, here's what's crazy. Here's what's crazy. You, we had no idea. Like, like. I remember ministering and watching God work. I'm sure you remember God working there. And then time just goes on. Circumstances go on. Seasons come and go. The clock waits and stops on no man. And here we are in 2023, going into our prime in our 40s. And these two young ladies, along with others, that time wouldn't even allow us to name or tell, God led back divinely into a place where, guess what? Here we are, years later, getting to minister to these same people. And now, their kids are being ministered under the very ministry that God's allowed us to have. By the way, two people who quit ministry who thought they would never, ever preach again. And God just dropped it in the river and said, I got a plan for this. My question to you is this. How complicated does your life have to be for you to not trust in the sovereign plan of God? Like, How bad does it have to get before you just say, God don't know what he's doing? I submit to you, there has never been one circumstance there's never been one season of your life where God lost track of what he was doing in your life. 
He's always had purpose. He's been protecting you. And right now, his providential power is going to bring things back around in such a way where I'm talking full circle. It's going to blow your mind, drop your jaw. You're going to be running and telling that, going, look what God has done. I like the song they used to sing. Look what the Lord has done. Do I have anybody at New Grace that would help me? Can we just end on a high note for a second? Can we stand to our feet and give him glory? He's always had a plan. He's always been working all things together for good. I love God. I'm called according to his purpose. With protection and providence, God has been working. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.